Hi, it's Karina Blomberg and you're listening to my episode with Pop Nerd Lounge. Welcome to Pop Nerd Lounge, the show where we share the stories of creatives to inspire fellow creatives. I'm your host, Steph Pham. Joining us today is Karina Bromberg. Karina's journey is a testament to perseverance and passion. Born in Carmel, Israel, she's taken her love for dance from her living room to international stages. She overcame language barriers and cultural adjustments when her family immigrated to Canada at the age of 14, ultimately securing roles in major productions like Netflix's Christmas Chronicles 2 and CW's Riverdale. But that's not all. Karina's also the driving force behind Dorshan Art Showcase, an immersive experience for using dance, music, fashion, and video content. Her journey as an immigrant and her path to becoming a show producer are stories you won't want to miss. Stay tuned as we delve into these fascinating topics and learn more about Karina's incredible life and her creative endeavors. Welcome to Popner Lounge. My guest today is Karina Bromberg. Karina, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Super happy to be here. The way I like to start every episode is to introduce our guests' beginnings of their stories. Where would you consider the beginning of your journey into performing arts? Oh, I would take it back to when I think I was five. I was still living um, back home in Israel and my grandma took me to the studio that practice. We competed in aerobics, aerobics, that's what we called it. I know it, I've never heard of anyone else do it outside of Israel. So it's kind of like, what is that? But you can think of it as gymnastics with some kind of dancing. So my grandma took me to that. She taught me how to do a cartwheel in the entire class. And yeah, I think it started there because I became super invested in it and stayed with that studio until I was 13 and started doing hip hop with them after I had my aerobics career <laughs> and started doing hip hop with them. So I think that's what sparked the performance and wanting to be on stage and use my body when I'm on stage and projecting outwards with my body. Yeah. Now, you moved to Vancouver at the age of 14, which must have been such a significant change. How did you navigate the challenges of an unfamiliar culture and lifestyle and environment at that age? Yeah, it was very difficult. I I learned English in high school back home, but it was, it was nowhere to the point where I could express myself, where I could, I didn't think in the language, so it was very hard. I, I usually think and speak very fast. So it was really hard to not be confident enough in the language to do that and have to translate in my in my brain. And I definitely had to, definitely was a very difficult first few years of adjusting to the language and adjusting to the new culture. And it was a lot of crying and a lot of wanting to go back home. I, it also wasn't really my choice. It was my parents that decided to immigrate. So definitely felt abrupt and... I had to reformulate my life to 
what it would be like now that I live in Canada. So yeah, I'm, I've always been a planner and I've always had like a vision for what I thought my, my life would look like. So I would say that was probably one of the hardest things to almost let go of this new reality that, and, and adjust to a new reality of what, what, what life will look like now. And yeah, I miss it a lot culturally and socially. I really miss it, but I really, in the last few years, ever since I started going out to LA a little bit more and uh, participating in the training group that I work with there and really working here more as a professional dancer, it really showed me the possibilities of what living in North America can bring to my life. So I see it in a more positive light and I see it as, I see it as a blessing. I know that this is how this is what life was supposed to look like for me, and now I make the best out of it. But yeah, it was a it was a difficult adjustment for sure. It was a lot of a lot of Google translating, a lot of moving around, learning new things, being becoming open minded. I think that was the key thing to really adjusting and immersing myself is to stay open minded in a way. Now, during that transitional period, when you didn't have a dance studio to train at, how did you continue pursuing your passion for dance, especially using YouTube tutorials? Yeah, so I was just on YouTube all day, and I would either just learn it off the video and just take some hours to, to do that and kind of try and slow it down and, and learn it, and then I would film it for myself. So I have a lot of videos in my living room. And I did try and uh, go out to local dance studios at the same time and kind of see what's possible. And whenever there were workshops, I would go to there, uh, but wasn't training consistently for sure. It was mainly just music and YouTube and living room. When you were training based off YouTube tutorials versus in a studio, did you miss that energy when you get in a class? Because it's completely different whenever you're training at, by yourself versus actually going into a studio setting and having other peers around you. Did you miss that energy whenever you were learning just by yourself? Yeah, I definitely missed it a lot. I think also back home for me, part of my home studio, one of the biggest things that I loved so much is the community that was built and how everyone was like my older sisters and, and brothers and just coming into the environment. And yeah, I think a lot of dancers can tell you how we love to get food before and get food after and we love to hang out. So I definitely miss that. And I was always on the lookout for where I can go and where I can train, but my English wasn't the best. So we even, I remember there's a, it's kind of funny, but there's a dance company in Vancouver. It's called Brotherhood. It's by Scott Forsyth. And I remember when I was back home that we had a class with him because we won a competition. So when I was moving here, I was like, oh my God, we have, I have to train with Scott. So I found Brotherhood and I was like, I'm going to join them. I thought Brotherhood was just a name for like, like Kahina or like Steph, it's just a name. It's like, of course I'll join and I'll be the only girl. That's awesome. That would be amazing. And then I Google translated it and I understood why it's only guys. <laughs> so yes, never made it to brotherhood, but yeah. So I definitely stayed on the lookout, but I really, really missed it. So I was super happy to find a studio after. 
Competitive dance played a significant role in your life. Could you share some memorable experiences or challenges you faced during events like Hip Hop International Israel? Yeah, I was pretty young still, but I remember I loved the environment of so many, so many different groups of people. Well, first of all, being there part of a group and such a big group and the feeling of going on stage. And it's, it's kind of like a different, it's a different mindset when you go to compete for a placing in a competition versus, oh, I'm going to perform with an artist on stage or I'm going to um, do a showcase. So it's a different mindset that you kind of activate and it's usually with a group. So having everyone in that mindset and that teamwork is really, yeah, it's definitely taught me to work in a group and, and it brought a different drive out of me um, that I really loved. And um, there did come a point in my life where I stopped doing that because I felt like I wanted to concentrate more on my own artistry um, because as it is being a part of a group, you have to, you have to match energy on certain, on certain things and you have to be clean and you have to, you know, do different, someone else is choreographing it. And there's many different aspects that go into building a a competitive set versus a set that's for just a live performance. So yeah, definitely came to a point in my life after that, that I wanted to branch into my own, but it taught me a lot of discipline. It taught me a lot of cleanliness and how to yes be part of a group um and be able to be part of a group but still keep my individuality in a way and when you were competing i wanted to ask you this because i used to actually compete and dance myself nothing nothing high level i was very much a novice baby whenever i competed but whenever i was competing i found myself like I think a lot of dancers can relate to this, but sometimes competition can take away the joy of dance. Whenever you either get in your own way, when you're in your own head, trying to better yourself than your last competition, or you start comparing yourself to the other people competing. So did you ever have that experience whenever you were competing, even though you were in group competitions? Yeah, so I, and and maybe it's because I was in group competitions, but I also think, I never fully was in that mindset. I was always like, I'm here because I love to dance with this group of people. I love to work on one dance and, and put it on. And and I always saw it as a joy. So I don't remember the competition aspect taking away from it. I, for some reason, was never really the kid that was like, oh, we didn't play. like sad about it. I was always like, well, I had fun <laughs> and I danced on stage and and you know people got to see me dance so i was always yeah that was always my mindset around that so yeah i i i guess you could say i'm a little bit less competitive then but i always just saw it as like yeah i'm just here to dance and if we win a trophy that's awesome but you know i i enjoyed the process towards it more than the performance or the performance was just well, I get to be on stage, so I'm happy about that, you know? Yeah, such such a good mindset to have, because I know that when it gets, like, super competitive, there, there are a lot of things that can take away from remembering why you dance in the first place. And so just to, to enjoy it and to enjoy the process is such a good mentality to have. Yeah, and definitely I'm grateful for that, that it was 
yeah, no, that was the mindset. <laughs> mm-hmm. Securing your first commercial job in Netflix's Christmas Chronicles 2 in 2020 must have been such a huge turning point. Can you share with us about that experience? Yeah, it was it was a surprise to me because I had been going to auditions for some time now and I always felt pretty disadvantaged compared to people who were signed and people that had, you know, more experience than me and things on their resume that they could that makes them a bit more credible sometimes, right, to be hired. And I remember the audition so vividly. I remember the room was packed and I wore these overalls that after that I auditioned for everything with these overalls because I just decided they were my lucky overalls and I still have them with me. But I remember like how packed the room was and how fast the choreography was going. And I think I remember the moment that I booked it. Like I now looking back at it, I remember when I went into groups and I danced and then, and then it was like the freestyle moment. I remember like the eyes shifting to me and how I was able to just showcase myself and, and just fully be me. And I remember making it to the last rounds and then we left and I didn't really think much of it because there were so many OGs in the room and there were so many people that are signed and I thought had more of an advantage on me and yeah, I went on about my life and about two months later, I was visiting back home and then I get this email and it's like, you're booked for this role on Christmas Chronicles 2. And I was so happy. I was so, so happy that I booked it. I think the biggest thing that I took away from the job, it ended up being about a week long, if you kind of put all the days together. So it's not the longest one I've done, but I learned so much, first of all, being in a professional setting as a, such as a movie and being on set. And I had to navigate a lot of the contracts by myself because I didn't have an agent. So also was exposed to that world of reading those contracts, understanding what my pay is, what, how it works and advocating for ourselves, for, for myself when I needed to you know, and there's different rules that you can, that you should advocate for. And mostly I learned that my passion is, or or what I love the most is, or what my goal kind of rerouted to be, or redesigned to be, I want to be in those rehearsal spaces. I want to be on set. I want to, I want to hear like action. I want to, I want to do that rather than my goal being Oh, I just want to be on camera and I want to go on Netflix and see myself on Netflix or be able to tell someone like, hey, I have a credit on Netflix. You know, it was more so like, no, I love the rehearsal process. I love how I feel during rehearsals. I love how it feels to be on set and come in the morning and get your makeup and hair done and and a fitting. Like I was exposed to the actual journey of it. So the dream became more specific rather than just, oh, I just want to be on screen, right? Like now the dream is like, I want to go through the process because it brought me so much joy. Yeah, it was awesome. In 2023, you signed with a local dance agency. Why would you recommend signing with an agency to fellow dancers? Yeah, I do recommend signing. I I think I'm, I'm a good example of you do not have to 
to get signed. I've worked professionally four times before getting signed and on pretty big jobs. So there is there are opportunities and it doesn't it doesn't have to go the traditional way of getting signed. I do think getting signed helps you with more access to our auditions because not being signed, I had to always, you know, look at choreographer's Instagram and see if there's an open call and ask a friend who's signed and be like and ask them to send me the audition, which they don't necessarily have to do and sometimes they don't do because it does put them at a risk so it just exposes you to more opportunities that aren't open call which unfortunately certain certain jobs will be a direct book from a certain agency or will be a closed call to just agency represented people talent so i would recommend with that and also they deal with all the legal things that if you don't know, it can help you a lot. Now, you mentioned earlier about advocating yourself and then how an agency really helped you with that. In a time where we're seeing like strikes within the Writers Guild, the Screen Actors Guild, why should dancers continue to advocate for themselves? Because we, we're seeing these massive projects such as the Eras Tour, how that turned into a film, and we're seeing the Renaissance Tour, how that turned into a film. People are being exposed to more dance talent. So why should we continue advocating for our worth? Because dancers are becoming more prominent in the entertainment industry. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, as someone, I still consider myself new getting into the industry. And I think I'm, I'm very happy to see how more and more productions start to use dancers more and more artists that never had dancers behind them start using dancers and one more productions are seeing the value. And I do think for myself, when I go watch a show or when I watch a movie TV series, I'm always looking at the movement direction. I'm always looking at what the choreography is doing, what the dancers are doing at it. And it adds to the picture so much. I recently went to a screening for Monster High 2 that just came out. And it was really cool to see on the big screen, right? It's a different sometimes image that you get to see in theaters versus on your computer or on your TV. It's really cool to see how much having so much movement in the background and so many dancers and how they be how how us dancers became so important to the overall message and pictures. And I even got one of the directors coming over and saying that they want to have another dance scene in the next movie. And I think, yeah, the world is really starting to see the value that dancers bring. And and I just hope it, it keeps expanding because I, yeah, when I hear music, I, I'm just imagining how much dancers can add to it. When I'm seeing music videos, I'm just imagining how movement and choreography dancers will will be of value and elevated. And we've seen it, especially with social media, how many songs have and, and artists have gotten so much more popular after a dancer just did a quick routine to them, right? So yeah, I hope our power just keeps getting recognized. And, and I hope we remember how much we we are worth and and we know to act that way as well. And we we follow that for ourselves when when we're offered a job or or something yeah 
Venturing into choreography is a significant step. What tra- what made you transition into being a choreographer and what made it easier whenever you were going from dancer to choreographer? I think I've always choreographed for myself, kind of, and made little routines. Yeah, I always had a pool for just a natural pool. Like I heard a song and I just had a vision in my brain and I went for it and created it and then I started teaching. So when you teach, you have to choreograph these little routines for for the kids and teach them. So that was probably the beginning of it. And I was in training programs that uh, pushed us to create different visuals. So that was the starting of creating visuals for songs. And usually it would be dance visual- visuals that I created. So that was probably the first push towards that for me. And it kind of just stuck around. I'm, I just find this super often that I, it's honestly like that. I hear a song and I just, in my brain, I'm thinking of, oh my God, this would look so cool with like A, B, and C or wow, like this is this. And I just, I just automatically have a vision for it. I think the hardest part for me was trusting the vision and allowing myself to fully expose that vision outwards and, and actually follow through because a lot of times we can create something and then doubt it and then think, oh, it's not good enough to showcase or it's not good enough for, for example, when I choreograph for, I work with a Vancouver artist, her name is Tris, um, and she had asked me to come on and choreograph a stage performance for her, a 20-minute stage performance, which I've never done before. I've always watched a lot of videos of other artists that go on tour and and have uh, dances with them um and i just i found myself a lot of times thinking like i really choreograph this in my room and then it's going on stage and a lot of times it could be you know that's where the doubt can can kind of kick in and be like oh is it is it worth being on stage um but i i decided to trust it and i decided that art can be created from anywhere right like you can be some people create when they are at the airport. Some people are, you know, people create everywhere and it doesn't matter where it was created or it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter where it was created. It was something that you created and that you envisioned for a particular project. And thankfully I was trusted for for this project and I, I'm happy I trusted myself as well. But uh, yeah, definitely helps me. And as a choreographer working on building, when I bring on people, being a dancer myself really helps me with that because I think I'm able to know that, okay, we need a water break then. Okay, this was too much information for one day. Or, okay, this is really, it's not working for, like this is, it, it, the vision in my head is great, but then if the dancers aren't able to ac- execute it, I need to adjust it and not, um, you know, I need to adjust it or I'll need to adjust my delivery of this vision for them to understand. So I think being a dancer, I kind of know what I want the choreographer to tell me as a dancer. So as a choreographer, I think of that, of what me as a dancer would want to hear and would need to hear in order to provide with the the product that the choreographer is asking for. Hey nerds, thank you for sticking around with us. We hope you're enjoying the episodes so far. We're always looking to improve the show, so any and all feedback you can give us is greatly appreciated. 
We're also constantly on the lookout for creatives to feature. So if you think you'd be perfect or know someone we should speak to, let us know. We can be reached over on our contact page at popnerdlounge.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of the episode. You mentioned collaborating with Tris. So how did that uh, happen? And what's, what has that process been like, just being able to work on that project? Yeah, super exciting. I was, it was back in 20, 2020, right before COVID started. And we were performing at the same showcase. She was singing and I was dancing. And so we kind of, we met in the green room for all the performers. And she came up to me and she said, you look so familiar. Like, do I know you? And she also looked super familiar to me, but none of us could figure out where we had met. Like we, we just couldn't figure it out. We think we never met. I don't know. And yeah, so we, she just followed me on Instagram after that. And we just kept in touch and um, over Instagram. And then one day I just, I listened to one of her songs and I created to it, went to the studio, filmed it, posted it on Instagram. She saw it, she reposted it. She really loved me and, or the dance and, and me. <laughs> and then she probably a few months later, she sent me a message saying that she's working on a new music video and she would love for me to come on in and choreograph it and be in it as well. And which was kind of special because um, I'm the only dancer in it and I didn't choreograph any of her sections. So it's really just me and her in the video. So it's a pretty special video to me that I got to choreograph and also dance it. And then I got to meet her entire team, which are now some of my best friends. And she became a very good friend of mine as well. So since then, we've just been working on whatever she has uh, any opportunity she has going. So building a set for, she had a festival performance that we did together. And then we opened for an artist that was touring in Vancouver. So kind of any inquiry is um, coming to me and we work on it together. We became a really good team creatively. And I think knowing her as a, getting to know her as a person and getting close to her as a friend has really helped me as a choreographer as well. Now, on top of being a dancer and a choreographer, you branched into show producing. What was the most exciting thing you learned on this journey of becoming a producer? Um, I learned that it may be one of my passions in this life. Yeah, I remember, I remember the moment I was, I went to a lot, a lot of different organizations, studios, people that usually fund dance events in hopes of getting funding. And I ended up going to my university. They have an arts division. So I ended up being able to get a, a meeting with the art producer there. And I had to pitch my idea out to her. So I prepared an entire pitch and I and I put my best foot forward and seeing her and then my university ended up sponsoring the event, which was major for me that such a big university would sponsor a small beginning art showcase, but just seeing how much faith um, they had in me and also seeing how much faith I had to have in myself and how much I had to believe and, and really present and, and almost sell my, my dream and my, my little baby showed me that this is something I want to do. This is, 
I do believe in my dreams this much. And yeah, on the professional side of things, it taught me, well, taking care of so many more people and so many more divisions, I've had to learn, okay, how do I edit screen content that is 25 minute long and will be on big screens and on the floor? How do I make that so the eye of someone in the audience is catching all details while not being too overwhelmed at the same time? And then I had to work on brightness because the space is, is that's my only lighting. So then I had to take care of lighting and, and then what's a soundtrack for an entire show. I've never built or worked on an entire soundtrack for a 25 minute show. And then I had to think of, oh, how do I capture this thing? So then when I show this product afterwards, then it's, you can, you can fully understand what was going on. So there was so many different industry that I tapped into and worked on collaborating with people from those industries that I have never been exposed to before. So that taught me a lot on being able to collaborate, being able to sit back, hey, I know nothing about this, but I have this idea. And then how do I, I know how to, I know how to translate my ideas to dancers and to choreographers and to people in the dance industry, but how do I translate this idea to someone not from the industry of, of not my industry, someone from someone from the music industry, how do I translate this idea? So had to work through a lot of different mediums with this one. So it was very interesting and very, it just required a different force in me and a different part of my brain that I loved activating. <laughs> Well, Rashad is an art showcase that is unique blend of dance, live music, local fashion, and video con content, like you mentioned. So how did this idea for this immersive experience originate? And what inspired you to incorporate such all those different mediums like you were mentioning? Yeah. Um, so what inspired it, I was uh, freestyling with a friend and we would give each other different objectives, like dance like a shirt, dance like a tree, all these different objectives. And I noticed that the way I was taking in those objectives and pr was projecting them outwards, it was based on, I was trying to think, okay, what would a shirt look like? What would it feel like? What would, if it had a sound, would it be a sharp or soft sound? So I was kind of looking at it from all different, from the different senses that we have. And then I wrote in my notebook that night, it was like April, 2021. I wrote in my notebook, I need to link something from all five senses. And for like a year, I was just brainstorming. I knew it was a cool idea, but I was like, how do you do this, right? If it's a video, it's not really five senses. It's, yeah, I just couldn't find what it is for me. And then I also had this other idea to make a visual album. So to take one album and make, make it, visual for all of it so to have one soundtrack for it which then i saw somebody do so i don't think it's original but <laughs> but yes i i thought of that and then then it kind of came to me that the show needs to be or this idea for the five senses needs to be something in person so people can smell so people can touch so people can feel right and that it needs to be a multi-dimensional sort of project so i figured out it had to be a show and then i blended it with the idea of being a visual album so that's what's created the 
the songs. And then as I was going through my idea for each song, I just thought of how many cool people I know in Vancouver. And during that year was when I started working with Tris. And then during that year, I did some campaigns for local clothing brands. And I just thought there's so many cool people around me that I'm getting to know and I'm getting starting to be immersed in their industries. And I really wanted to bring it all together. I wanted, I wanted to have one space that showcases multiple things at the same time and essential and sub and then as a result of it brings, brings those artists together because I want to collaborate with clothing brands more. I want to know more designers. I want more clothing brands in Vancouver to see, Hey, dancers can really add to your image and, and, and really sell your brand. So use us and same thing for artists. There's so many artists in Vancouver that I think that have adding choreography, adding dancers will just amplify their vision so much more. So I wanted to bring us all in one space and show them like, Hey, we can do this. So yeah, then it kind of built this entire, then I was, then the ideas just were, were flowing out of me. I just was listening to songs and imagining like, Oh, this would be so cool to have a fashion show. And then this would be so cool to have Tris do a live cover for. This would be really cool to have an original rap over it or certain things like that. So it kind of became this big framework. And then I love to create dance visuals. So that just was another way to showcasing those dance visuals. And I found the perfect space for it that you can project it on big screens and on the floor. So it became this big immersive experience and it truly became a space that a lot of different artists collab together, met and then collab together afterwards. So yeah, it, I didn't think it would become this, this cool thing, but it did. Now, when you were filling out your form, I noticed that you said that it, it was a concept, like you mentioned, it was a concept around like 2020 or 2021. And then it got into fruition yeah. about 2023. So what was it like having that patience to stick it out and to know that, you know, it was going to happen. It was going to be a real thing uh, because I know a lot of times mm -hmm. when we have to have that patience and we have to work through things, it could be a little frustrating or we could lose motivation to mm -hmm. see it to its like fulfillment. So what was that? What was it like to kind of go through the process and be like, okay, I, this will be a like fully complete idea in front of me, but it's just going to take a minute. Right. And I definitely went through that. I'm definitely, I lack patience. I really do. I I love to, I have an idea and I'm borderline like I have to do it right now or it's not going to get done. And that's what I tried to do. I actually tried my original date for Sean was supposed to be in August, 2022, because I had finished, I had figured out all the framework and I had done most of the work of reaching out. I found a space, all these things, but then it didn't feel right. Something in me didn't, wasn't fully, wasn't fully ready to take on this responsibility of putting a show. And I wasn't in the right mental space to, to really put it on. And I ended up, I also was traveling a lot. So I ended up putting it on hold even though I had this whole framework and I actually fully forgot about, forgot about this entire idea that I had crafted all and 
thought of who's going to dance in it, choreographed it, everything. I fully put it aside, completely forgot about it for probably half a year until like February 2022, uh, 2023. And then, yeah, my friend was talking about, um, bringing her idea into fruition. And I was like, hey, like, I had a really cool idea. Like, I, let me read it again. And then I just read again what I, what I wrote, like all my preparations. And I, I just picked it back up again. I just felt the need to really bring it to life. And it's, it's a reflection of me in, in my life as well. I, I was back in 2022, I was in a, I was struggling mentally with um, what I had on my plate already and and I wasn't fully present to put on a show. So it's just a reflection of how much I've evolved as a person that when I picked it back up within two months, I had a show going. And within two months I did it, I, I fully committed to everything and committed to the date, committed to putting down the the funds for it, committed to bringing people in, to finding uh, every um, the sponsors that I found. So um, yeah, even within, even after deciding, okay, I'm going for it. And, and I started going for it. I, the patience was definitely still needed. And I, and I, a lot of times had to, a lot of times I would recenter myself into okay, you need to take it one step at a time. I know, I know I can already be thinking about, okay, the show day, what do I buy for dancers to eat? It's like, okay, wait, <laughs> hold on, hold on. We're not at show day yet. Like relax, think of step one, step two. So I started, I just worked on it step by step and wrote everything down and made deadlines for marketing the show, men, men, deadlines for designers to have their clothes ready and then i just listed everything out and started work on working on it step by step so the patience kind of came hand in hand but yeah i think we can always feel internally when it's the right time no one can tell me a lot of people told me yeah go ahead do it do it do it why not but until it felt right for me i didn't do it so i think the patience lies within that too the inaugural Rashad Point One in June 2023 featured over 30 individuals, drew a substantial audience, and showcased three clothing lines. What were the highlights of that event for you, and how did it influence your vision for your upcoming Rashad Point Two in November 2023? Yeah. So the highlight for me was how the entire process. I felt very steady. I felt very just just happy. There wasn't too many highs or lows, which I feel like a lot of times in commercial jobs, I myself felt, for example, I would do an audition, I would submit and I would be on a very high, like, and, and a little bit stressed, like, oh my God, did I get it? Did I book it? And then I book it and I'm on, I'm living this dream. I am on cloud nine. And then as soon as the job is done, I'm like, you know, just sad and, and I really felt the crash a lot of times. And I think a lot of dancers can relate to it that when we finish a project, especially a project that is long or that was something that you worked on for so long, you finish a project and you can feel like a low after. I noticed that with working on Rishon, I didn't feel it at any stage. I was a steady, happy, just excited to be working on it. 
which I think is healthier sometimes for your mental health too, right? We need to have the balance of feeling those highs, feeling the lows, but also feeling calm. So I was surprised by that. I would expect it to be more, more stressed and more excited, I guess, sometimes. But I think it, it was an indicator of how much it was in my purpose to do this because I was so calm about it. So that was a surprising aspect that I loved. And yeah, I just truly enjoyed it. I really just saw my entire idea unfold in front of my eyes. And it was, yeah, it's such a good feeling. Like it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And my parents got to see it and my family. So I was so, yeah, I was so happy that they, they got to see it like in real life and missed, I missed the live aspect so much just with COVID and everything. I missed it so much. So that was great. And from a choreographer standpoint, I learned so many more things that I'm making better for Rishon too, that I'm super excited to show everyone, but I just learned how much more I can do with this concept of the audience standing in the middle and the crowd around them. Just in terms of choreography, I can do so much more. And yeah, I'm excited that the first one was so, was so successful and was received so well that I could completely like take my mind into like, okay, what's the next thing? in a choreography sense and in an artistic sense, you know, because so many, I feel like I, I've worked out so many technical aspects on the first one already that I get to fully focus on what's, okay, what's the artistic elevation of this, this concept of this thing. And yeah, just gave me so many more ideas for what I can do with it, what it can be. Well, Karina, it's been such an amazing chat with you. I've had such a lovely time going through your journey, listening about your projects and learning more about what it takes to be a professional dancer in this industry. I'm going to turn the well, wait before I turn the floor over to you. We have one more question and it is, why are you a creative? I am a creative because... I've always been one and I've always, yeah, I think I was born like this. I think I was, I think I'm just looking back at, you know, little Karina was always creating something. I always presented something to someone. I always like sat my parents down and it's like, you're going to listen to me perform, like read a story to you while I didn't even know how to read. So I just was making things up from looking at pictures in the book. Or you're going to sit down and listen to me sing or sit down and watch me dance. And I think I've always, yeah, I've always had a, such a pull to the creative arts and, and, and athleticism because my family, there's a lot of athletes and athletes in my family. So I've, it's always been a part of my life since I can remember myself, just music, art, creating, performing, just it's always been a part of me I'm, I'm like a true extrovert like I love to perform I love to bring people in I love to share and yeah I love that I get to train to make my body a better outlet or a stronger outlet for for what I feel what I think what I know what I what I can tap into like all these different sides of me that I can tap into because a certain song comes on and 
yeah, everything I do, I feel like ties into me being a creative. I just, everything inspires me. Every movie, every TV show that I watch, every person, streets, walls. <laughs> like, yeah, I think it's just, I think it's in me. Yeah. And it's just been so beautiful learning more about you. And we hope to keep following your journey. And I am so glad that you reached out and you became a part of our show. Uh, I want the listeners to know where they can find you on social media. So go ahead and tell our audience where they can find you, where they can keep up with what's going on in your life. And if you have a message for our audience, go right ahead. Okay, well, first of all, thank you so, so much for having me. I'm really honored that I got the opportunity to share and I had a really good time. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Karina, K-A-R-I-N-A dot Blomberg. And my website is linked in the bio, also www.karinabornberg.com. All the updates are there for when this Sean 2 comes around, which is super, super soon. And yeah, I think message to the audience is do what you want to do. There is no one that can tell you yes. There's no one that can tell you no. If you have a vision, if you have an idea, go for it. See, by going for it, you'll see if you actually want to do it. And you'll see if you enjoy doing it. And that'll be your answer <laughs> to a lot of things. So I just, yeah, I really encourage that. And keep believing in yourself working on it and things fall into place yeah well Karina thank you so much for speaking with me thank you I appreciate it so much special thanks to Karina for being this week's guest if you want to learn more about Karina visit the links in the show notes Popner Lounge is executively produced by Vico and Steph Pham Vico serves as the creative director and Steph Pham is the host and editor. To find out more information about Popner Lounge, visit our website, popnerlounge.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you join us next time for another conversation with a fellow creative. I'm your host, Steph Pham. <laughs>